0: Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship
1: with the Creator.
0: We're continuing in the series on the book of Genesis, and this week we're on Genesis chapter 16, and it, it gives a picture of Abraham as a total opposite of last week. Remember last week I was talking about Abraham, that he's the great father of the faith, the great patriarch. He was God's man of power for the hour. This week, total the opposite. This week, we're going to talk about how he really messed up, how he fell, how he failed. See, you might have a wrong picture of the great men and women of God from the Bible. Kelly, you got those pictures to put up there? See, a lot of times we, ha- we have a wrong image of the people that we read about, the great men and women of God from church history through the Bible. We, we make them like saints with these halos over their head that they're flying around. You always see them, their faces all glowing. Everyone ever, ever see those pictures? Oh here they go. You see these guys here? Oh don't they look so holy? They just their faces just shining towards heaven? Look look at this guy. He <laughs> looks very spiritual, right, Bert? Doesn't that doesn't that look like a great picture? I I love this the best. This is my favorite right here. Boy. Boy, just like angels, they're just so perfect. They just shine everywhere that they go. There's nobody like that in the whole Word of God. The Word of God is about ordinary people who mess up just like us, but God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. See, you might have the wrong idea about the word saint, right? We hold up people, St. Paul, St. John, St. Bernard, all these different people. I'm glad he wasn't here today. He wouldn't have liked that joke. And we hold them up, oh, these are the great saints. The word saint means one who is sanctified or one who God has made holy. If you've got Jesus in your heart, then God has called you out and separated you, and you are a saint just as much as those guys up there. You see St. Bert and St. Alice over here? we got St. Jonathan sitting in the front row. All the way in the back, St. Louis. What, what, what does that mean? What does that mean to us today? It means stop having, stop having an unrealistic picture of, of what holiness is, what a man or woman of God is. Because what happens is we look at pictures like that and we say, we can't do nothing like that. We'll never accomplish anything. And and church today has bought into that picture so it's become a superstar mentality. We follow the big name. We follow the big TV star. And God never meant it like that. Every one of you is a saint. And in your sainthood, Jesus said that you can do even greater things than he did. So if you mess up, if you fail sometimes, sometimes you want to do good, but evil follows you, sometimes you fall right on your face, that does not disqualify you. Get, those, get that picture, take those pictures off. God loves the ordinary person, just a plain old nobody, because then he could put his glory on you and raise you up, and you can be just like Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham didn't have the Spirit of God in him, so you're even greater than Abraham, the New Testament says. You can do greater things, greater faith. Greater miracles, greater blessing, greater breakthrough, greater level of finances is available to us that Abraham didn't have. He lived in the Old Testament before Jesus, but after Jesus died and rose again, he sent down the Holy Spirit and he fills you, he blesses you. And everywhere that you go, you, you carry the Spirit around and he's dying to come out all over to bring blessing everywhere that you go. Let's get into Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. You see, just this is proof that the Bible's real. Because if the Bible was fake, they wouldn't put in all the mess-ups, all the mistakes. They would just paint these guys as, as, as sinless and could never fail. But the Bible puts in all the, all the mess-ups, the mistakes, the rebellion, because they want to show that there's hope for me and you. You see, I don't know about anyone else, but if it wasn't for the grace of God and his mercy and his forgiveness, the only thing I could do is put the microphone right down here and go home. Because I got no business up here. I got no business even being in church if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God. His forgiveness in my life. That every time I fail, I can come back to Him. And every time, He restores me. Well, Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. This one's going to knock your socks off if you never read this one. This is going to have your head spinning in a couple minutes here. It says, Sarai, Abraham's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. Now remember last week we said that Abraham, he was almost a hundred years old, and his wife was up there too, and that her womb was dead, as you could imagine. There was no way in the natural that they could have a child. But God promised, and God loves to show off. He loves to do the impossible. He loves to bring you to a place in your life when there's absolutely nothing you can do, and then the breakthrough comes. And the the son of promise, who we'll read about in a few chapters, his name was Isaac. Eventually he came, but up to this point they waited 10 years and then you know what people say, well, I waited long enough, now I'm going to do my own thing. So Sarai, Abram's wife, having yet produced a child, she had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, her husband, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. Do you understand what just happened here? This great man of God, his wife came to him and said, Well, I can't have any kids, and God promised you're going to have a son, so let me help you out. Why don't you go have a a baby with the maid? How many of you think that's going to work out well? By a show of hands. How many of you think that was a a good idea if this is going to come out perfect? And you know what Abraham did? He said, okay. But what happened to the holy man of God? If if you didn't know better, you would think Abraham would say, wow, that's a dumb idea. How much dumber can you get than that idea? So he, Abraham said, well, why not? God's taking too long. Let's just help him out. So verse 3. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took her Egyptian maid Hagar, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. Abram had been living ten years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. Sarai told Abram, It's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. Some things never change, Pastor Jordan." <laughs> She told her, go ahead, you go, there's the maid, go get her pregnant. He does it, and now there's trouble in the house which any fool could have predicted. You don't have to be a prophet like Abraham. And then she says, this trouble, it's all your fault. Now, I'm not going to have a bunch of women angry at me, so I thought, what do I do? <laughs> now, Pastor George said he's been ta- has wanted to take a few weeks off to rest and to get refreshed and to get vision for, for the falls and, and see how God wants to move ahead. But I said, you ain't putting me in this one. <laughs> <I got it. laughs>
1: and so I'll take this little piece and I'll tell you this. Here's some marriage advice 101. Just because your spouse says it's okay to do something, doesn't make it okay. Let me give you an example. Sure, honey, it's okay for you to go out with the boys every night. I know you need that. Does she mean that? Sure, honey, I don't mind all of you you having all of your ex-girlfriends as your friends on Facebook. Man of God, what good can come from this? It's, It's almost like, you know, when she says, honey, does these pants make... No, let's not go there. Listen, when we have God's word on something, it doesn't matter who tells you that something is okay. Can somebody say amen? Amen. See, God made a promise to Abram. And if you remember back through these last passages, God is always reminding Abram of this promise. So it wasn't like God gave him a promise and that was it. And and you know how sometimes time passes, and time passes, and then we start questioning, well, did God really make this promise to me? Well, was, was I really... Maybe I was tripping that day. Maybe, maybe I had, you know, barbecue spare ribs that night or something. Maybe, right? But no, in the passages, time after time after time, every time God meets with Abram, God reminds him of the promise. Amen? Side note, church... Every time we have an experience with God, it's a reminder of God's promises to us. Can somebody grab that today? Every time, listen, it might be totally unrelated. It might be, you might be praying on this area and and God is meeting you in this area. Every experience that we have with God is a reminder that He keeps His promises. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody need even if it's two of you, somebody needed to hear that today. When we got God's word on something, it doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. That's our walk with God. That's our faith. That's that's letting God direct you, that's leading with what you believe. Amen. Listen, last week Pastor Gary used a term that just jumped out at me. He said, after God spoke to Abram, Abram said yes, but He said, "But God." And and Pastor Gary said, "You can't lead with your butt." And and I sat there laughing. I said, that is the excellent title for a message. You cannot lead with your butt. Amen? Leading with your butt. Listen, when you lead, I, I love that. Th- think about it in the natural. And, and, and you can't lead with your butt. Not only will you not get far, not only might you get hurt, not, but you'll also make a fool of yourself every time. Amen? Well, in the spiritual, it's no different. You'll get just as far, and you'll make just a f- bigger fool of yourself. Amen? The time has come for men and women to just stand on God's Word and wait. Stand and wait. Listen, Abram was old. His wife was old. She was barren. What God was telling him was going to happen was beyond what he could see. I love that. God will always put us someplace, like Gary said, to show off. Why? Because He can. Why? Because God says, I am your deliverer. I am the great I am. So that means everything you can't do, I can. Amen? What you can't do, I can. What you're not, I am. But God, I'm not, but I am. But I'm not, but I am. But I can't, but I can. I am the great I am. Amen? Listen, there's, 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 one of the things that we probably hate the most is when God tells us to wait, right? I mean, we live, man, we live in such a fast food society, everything, if we get, how many get mad at the microwave? Right? I'll put stuff back if it says, you know, six minutes, and i say, six minutes? I don't need to be waiting six minutes for nothing, you know what I'm saying, right? Like six minutes in a microwave sounds like four hours or something. Like it should say a minute, minute and a half, three minutes tops. If it's not, put it back, right? I mean, we live in this fast, so when God tells us to wait, it's like, come on, God. And then we read stories that people are waiting 10 years. We're like, come on, you're tripping. Not today, not me. Not in this lifetime, Right? Not in this community, how many many of you understand that God's Word never changes? That God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if He told people to wait before, He'll tell you to wait today. And if He tells you to wait today, it's because, and really when you get this, you'll get blown away. He tells you to wait today, it's because He sees tomorrow. He sees next week. He sees what's going to happen. And so we we only see today. Say, God, if if I could just get this now, I know everything will be all right. If I could just be with her now, I know everything. If we could just be together now, I know everything will be all right. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And so when he says, you know, one of the things we hate is when God says wait. Another thing that bothers us is when what he says is beyond what we can see. Listen, the only thing I can share is, is what I've gone through as an example, man, when, when I was in, in, in youth ministry, when I was in the other place, man, and God was putting pressing on my heart, it's time to go, and it's time to step out, and it's time to, to leave what you know. It's time to go beyond what you can see. And I'll tell you, I had offers to leave the city and, and be a, a preacher someplace else. I had offers to leave. I had offers for cushy chairs and cushy positions, right? I had offers in corporate. I had offers in place. And I said, God, I'm just waiting on you. I need to know that it's you. If you call me, God, then, I'll, then nothing on, in, in earth or hell can stop me. But if I step out on my own, I'll, I'll have an Ishmael to deal with. Come on, you, you need to get this. When God pressed it on my heart, it was beyond what I could imagine. I need you to picture this. Five couples were with me. We had to step out and start something from nothing with, with, with nothing in our hands and with no support and with people against us. And and we said, and and I said, God, I know, I know, you know, that that I know what you're telling me, God, but but I have a mortgage. I know you're telling me to step out of this job, but I got a mortgage. I know you're telling me to, to go this way, but I got a family to support, but I got this, but I'm not qualified, but I don't have the right connections, but I don't have the right... See, I understand what it's like to leading leading with your butt. but all I knew was that I had to wait on God. If I had gone out on my own... I'd have an Ishmael on my hand. I believe church... Listen, churches start up and close down because people weren't willing to wait for an Isaac and they put Ishmael in charge. They found an Ishmael to take the place of Isaac. They substituted what they could do for what God was going to do. Please get this today. Get this, we do it all the time. Here's the best example. The best example we can, I can give you is in relationships. Come on. God, I'm waiting, for you. I'm waiting on you for Mr. Right. I'm waiting on you for Miss Perfect, right? You, I know your word says I should wait, but... I know your word says I should stay pure, but... I know your word says that you have something better for me, that you have it all worked out, but... If I can't be with the one you love for me, I'll just love the one I'm with. I know you have an Isaac for me, God. I believe you mean well. I believe you can do anything, but it's taking too long, and my friend says I can get with Ishmael. I've gotten permission to get with Ishmael. Listen, you really got to hear this. When you substitute an Ishmael for an Isaac, you're not just stepping out of God's will. You're not just cheating, robbing, and hurting yourselves, but you are causing a devastating ripple effect that will damage your generation and generations to follow. This story is the perfect example. When Abram accepted a substitute instead of waiting for God, that substitute caused tremendous problems and issues for him to the point where he sent him away. See, we want to take our, our Ishmael's for right now, but then, but then when we, it's too much trouble, we say, God, I ask you to bless it, I ask you to bless it, I ask you to bless it. Well, okay, we'll just throw it away and not realize all the issues that we've created, all the damage that we've caused when we refuse to wait for our Isaac. Amen? So I want you to get two two things today from this passage of Scripture. Number one, we should never, ever, ever, never, ever lead with your butt. And number two, we should never settle for the counterfeit. Amen? Come
0: on, G. Amen. Back to the story. <laughs> hey, Joe, did, he, did Pastor George get all the women calmed down? They were about to rise up here <laughs> and start throwing stuff. So I'm going back to Genesis 16. I'm going to read again verse 5. Sarai told Abram, it's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you, and the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. That was a no-brainer right there. May God decide which of us is right. It's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. Now down to verse 6. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. See, things haven't changed much in the last four or 5,000 years. How many times today are am ministering to women where they had men that made promises to them. I'm not like all these other guys. Don't be afraid. If you get pregnant, I'll be there with you to the end. I'm not like those people, but they're just like this guy here. Over and over and over again. If the guy you're with doesn't love you enough to commit the rest of his life through sickness and health, through poverty, till death do you part, then he's not the one to get pregnant with. I see this played out over and over and over the same lines they used back then. And here he was. Oh, that's my baby, but that's okay. If you want to mistreat her, go ahead. And here was the mother of his child took off. You see, as Pastor George said, when you decide you're not going to do things God's way and you're going to do it your way, and, I, and people talk to you, you're always going to say this whole same thing. Stay out of my business. Who are you to judge me? But your sin, your rebellion doesn't only affect you. This sin that Abraham committed just now, it came down on this woman. And it was going to come down through the generations, which which I'm going to show you in a second. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, son of Sarai, and servant of Sarai, have you, where have you come from and where are you going? Do you ever notice God asks questions he knows the answers to? Because even though it says the angel of the Lord, most theologians believe That it was actually an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament even before he was born and came to earth. That God himself, this poor woman, this nobody, this servant who was rejected and kicked out and abused. That might be some of your stories today. God God knew where she was. God was right next to her. Verse 9. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. The word Ishmael means the Lord hears. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His, see, maybe some of you don't want to go to the prophetic ministry. You might not like. How do you like to get that word? You're going to have a son that's going to be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. See, here was this soon-to-be single mother, rejected, scorned, and abused, all alone, and God himself came to her and, and gave her a promise. Not only am I going to protect you, but I'm going to protect your son, and I'm going to make him great. And he's going to be a wild donkey of a man. And his hand is always going to be against his brothers. Who were his brothers? Number one was going to be Isaac, who who was the father of the Jewish people. And number two, we as Christians are children of Abraham. So in one sense, we're also Ishmael's brothers. And you know who Ishmael later, who his descendants became? The Muslims, the Arab Muslims. Is it true today? Is it true that right now today that the Arab, the the Muslims are against the Jews and the Christians? Every time there's one of those terrorist threats, you can trace it back to the scripture because of Abraham saying, I'm not going to wait on God. We're, we're paying the price today. Every time you go to the airport and you got to go through all that screening, every time you walk in Manhattan and start to feel afraid that something's going to happen, it's all because Abraham couldn't wait. See, your sin does not only affect you. It goes down through the generations, and here's a clear example. And the next scripture is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, which I say every week, but that's okay. Verse 13. She gave this name, or Hagar, this woman, gave this name to the Lord. Can you imagine that? This single mother... She was a slave, she was considered nobody, and she was the one to name God? She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called 'er Be'er Lechai Roi, it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son that, that was born. So again, here's this woman, kicked out, homeless, nowhere to go. God came to her, gave her promises, and she named God, You are the God that sees me. What a promise for everyone here. See, maybe you're going through similar things, but God sees and hears. Every time someone hurts you, every time someone abuses you, every time there's an injustice against you at work in your family, Every time wrong, horrible words have been spoken over you, God hears and he sees, and he's your protector. He's your provider. See, God, the Bible says God is not just a God far away. Don't picture God, that uh, he's way up there somewhere, and, and I'm way down here, and I'm... set. Sa- no! God is walking right beside you. Everywhere that you go, he sees and he's got a plan. If he's got a plan for Hagar, how much more does he have a plan for you to bless you and your children, to make them great? In Psalm 56, verse 8, This is the psalmist speaking to God. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. God is with you. He's not against you, even in your failure even in your mistakes when we turn to god he's with you he's on your side and it says that all the tears every time you cry god collects those tears and you know what he does it may, it breaks his heart the bible says that jesus himself he wept over the people who are broken hearted that he's near to those who are broken But as Pastor George said, it's got to be in his time. Are you willing to wait and not accept the counterfeit? Don't accept the imposter. But when we wait on the Lord, the Bible says that God will renew our strength and make us soar like on the wings of eagles. I'm going to ask Alice if you can come. And this is how I want to pray right now. Actually, we're not going to pray yet. But God told me today that he wants to honor all the single parents here today. I'm going to ask you to stand if you're a single parent. Now, the word single means you're not married. It has nothing to do with a significant other. That's the doctrine of this world. But if you're a single mother today, and I'm going to ask you just to come up here forward because Alice just wants to sing this song over you. Say, I-, I want to honor you today because I know what it's like. I was a single parent for, for a while. And I know what it takes to say, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna wake up Sunday morning. You see, you are not alone. And I'm gonna, I don't want one of these, one of these women standing alone right now. I'm gonna ask for those from, from the healing ministry, from the prophetic ministry. If you could come, I want someone standing with each one of these women. We need help from some of the ushers. Those who are ministry leaders, ministry team, deacons, pastors. we wanted to ask you to come quickly because we want to show that there is nobody alone. Why? Because not only does God see you, but we as a church are committed to you. We're we're committed to be with you, we're committed to stand with you, you are not alone, and if any one of you, like Hagar, if you're being physically abused right now, you come and see me or Pastor George, because we're not going to let it go. I'm just, just allow Alice just to sing this song over you, right? This song is especially for you right now. So we need some more women to come and help.